Welcome to Equestrian Movement's First Do No Harm podcast. I'm your host, Katie Boniface, co-founder of Equestrian Movement with Sarah Gallagher. We work with horse riders who want to build a stronger bond and a deeper connection with their horses. In our First Do No Harm podcast, we discuss with other industry professionals how to work with horses to firstly do no harm and secondly support their mental, emotional and physical well-being throughout the training process so that we have horses that enjoy learning and ask to be ridden. Each episode, we discuss the different influences our training can have and how we can improve our horses' overall athleticism, soundness of mind and body, and emotional fortitude, while strengthening and deepening our relationship with our horses. Each week, I will endeavor to bring to you a new episode on horse riding, training, handling and husbandry for an interview with other industry professionals to help you address where and why you might get stuck in creating the beautiful union of dancing souls that is the equestrian sport. Are you ready to kick off today's show? Let's get started. Hey team, Katie here from Equestrian Movement and today's podcast we have pulled out of the archives of our Stronger Bond Community Free Facebook group. If you are looking for more trainings like these, make sure you have jumped into that group. It is in the unit section or just have a dig through the videos. We have heaps of trainings in there from our Thursday live trainings. While you're over there, we just finished a webinar on managing bold behaviors in our horses. So if you are having some behavioral issues and you would like some advice and some direction, uh, feel free to jump in and have a listen to that webinar as well. Today's training, we are going to be talking about feeling what your horse is thinking. I did this training uh, a year ago, pretty much, maybe not quite. And it's so relevant because we have circled back around and are working on this again at the moment in the school. Feeling what your horse is thinking improves in quality all the time, as long as you are paying attention. As you improve in the saddle, as your communication improves in the saddle, your balance, your confidence, you are wanting to get quieter in your aids and finding a softer, more gentle way of talking to your horse with your aids and your cues. So in today's training, we talk about uh, how to feel what your horse is thinking and uh, if you have any questions feel free to email us uh, jump over to our YouTube channel we have YouTube trainings on this as well join our next workshop developing feel and if you have a big takeaway from today we would love to hear it share it with your friends let them know how it is easy to feel what our horses are thinking from the saddle as long as we have the confidence in ourselves to interpret it and we're not giving that power away to our eyes on the ground hey guys katie here from equestrian movement and we are doing another training thursday live tonight's topic is on um, how to feel what your horse is thinking when you're riding. So this has been um, 
a lot of the focus of my lessons for the last week or so. I have had a couple of new students come in from other writing schools and remember that sometimes I do things a little bit differently. <laughs> uh, so the first time that I ever experienced, um, you know, really clearly the feeling of a horse um, talking to me through bit pressure was the first uh, horse that I broke in and um, I was going out with him on a trail ride. It was the first time he'd left the property so he was lucky enough to um, have been bred. Hi Alexandra! I think, um, I don't think I've seen you on a live because it's normally really conflicting time zones. Uh, anyway, sorry. The first time um, I took this little fella out onto a trail ride, he um, was lucky enough to be born and bred and trained on the same property, so he'd not been off the property. And so it was a bit of an adventure for him. I'd spent, um, I think he'd probably been broken in, I'd been working with him for maybe about a year. And uh, I used to hack the horses out uh, in the forestry next door with my dogs. It was one of my favorite things to do. And um, yeah, it was nice to condition the horses up, build their endurance and um, strength and fitness for their flat work training and their jump training. Um, and it was nice for me as well. <laughs> Just go out for a little hack and pretend I'm actually working. Uh, so the first time I took Little Phoenix out on a trail, he literally put his mouth into the contact and was like, guide me. He was nervous, but he was confident in me to tell him what to do and confident that I would guide him through this experience. And even though he was really scared about being out of his um, only environment that he'd ever really known, he and I had a really good relationship and rapport. Um, and so he was looking to me for that guidance. The only way that he knew how, which was through bit pressure. So that's ideally what we're trying to do with our horses when we're using contact is we're not trying to control them. We're not trying to tell them what to do because let's be honest, we can't actually control them. <laughs> They're too big. Um, and when they hit flight mode, there's nothing that we can do that's actually physically going to control them. Hi, Melanie. Hi, Anita. How are you? Um, so when we're using our contact and when we're using bit pressure, it's not to force submission. It's not to force control. It's not to um, force anything because we really can't force anything. It's to have a conversation and, and have that communication there. So we really need to have the relationship and the rapport built first, which is um, why we like to do our training trainability work so that then when it comes to being in the saddle, it's just an extension of what we've been doing on the ground with our communication skills. So your horse is just basically like, oh, you're on my back now. Okay, cool. And they just kind of carry on the same as how they, they would work on the ground. So um, the students that I've been working with this week have, have come across and, um, you know, very typical riding school scenario of large groups, not a lot of individual attention, um, 
running through the motions, learn how to stay on your horse, try not to run into each other. <laughs> um, so there's been a lot of control, but not a lot of um, connection to the horse and, and what the horse was saying. So they're able to, you know, steer appropriately and, and ride their aids well. But when it came to actually listening to the horse for how it was riding, there, there just wasn't a lot there. And I think that this is a really big gap, not only in the riding schools where all of our beginners are, are learning to ride, but it's a really big gap with just instructors in general. Um, you know, I grew up very traditionally dressage trained of the horse must be on the bit for submission. The horse must have submission or you're out of control. And there was a good period of my life where I thought that if my horse wasn't, you know, on the bit with like a, a rounded neck, then I actually didn't have control of my horse. And at that stage, I didn't because uh, contact had become, you know, an argument about who was in control. It was, you, my horse had to be on the bit for submission. Submission meant that I was in control. And so then the challenging of the contact and, um, you know, tossing the head and fighting and the resistance um, was my horse actively challenging, you know, contact itself. And so it was literally a fight of who who was stronger. And that's not an it's not a nice way to ride. It's um, it means that you you and your horse are always arguing. And you know sometimes there does have to be that time where you show up as as a good leader and you um, you know just say, hey, I'm asking you to do something. Can you please do it and stop arguing with me? Sometimes we might need to take a step back and make sure that we're actually explaining ourselves well and that our horses physically can do it. But there are certain times when our horses are testing us and we do have to follow through, but we don't want to constantly have that conversation with our horse that if it's not on the bit, then it's arguing with us. And so <laughs> this is a roundabout way what we're trying to achieve with contact is that our horse can openly have a conversation and, and communicate with us. And so the way that we teach them how to do that is through bit pressure and we teach them how to do that through seeking the contact. So one of the things that we can do a little bit wrong and I'm always in, getting myself in trouble for doing it myself is um, you, know, you keep gathering your reins up, making your reins shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter and the horse's mouth keeps coming more and more and more up because what they're doing is they're trying to avoid that annoying piece of metal in their mouth that is sometimes painful if it's not fitted correctly or if we're not using our hands appropriately. Hi Cindy, how are you? Um, and so their, their head is like coming up and they might start using their posture wrong which also can cause them pain and so the whole situation becomes uncomfortable for them and we just keep going shorter and shorter trying to find their mouths and they keep going further and further back whether it be up or down or behind or wherever they go they're trying to avoid that feeling of the bit in their mouth or they might go the opposite way and put all of their weight in the bit just to try and stabilize the piece of metal in their mouth from moving around too much so <clears throat> what we're trying to do with that contact is we're trying to um, develop 
a comfortable relationship with a piece of metal in their mouth that presses on, you know, their, their tongue and the bars of their gums. We're trying to get them to feel comfortable with it. So if you want your horse to feel comfortable with the bit, then you can't necessarily be using the bit so much for control. You have to have that established on the ground first and in your relationship first before you start having that conversation about how does your horse seek the release of pressure um, from that bit pressure in, in, in contact. So that then, you know, the, the bit pressure isn't about control and um, force and submission and it gets stronger and stronger and stronger until the horse listens and then it goes away. Look, by the time we're using bit pressure, the horse should understand that pressure is a cue, is a word. It's not, it's not something that they need to fight with or um, it's gonna get more painful until it goes away or whatever way you want. You know, we can kind of see people using pressure sometimes. They need to have understood by this stage that it is just a single word that we are saying to them. So if we put two reins into their mouth, then the word that we're saying is stop. If we put a single rein into their mouth, then the word that we are saying is turn. And then, um, you know, as the complexity of our aids develop, we are starting to combine those, those words to make um, more difficult words like bend and half halt and um, transitions and leg yields and those the way that we then start combining those aids is new words that we're creating from those um, combinations of those cues not the pressure that we're putting into their mouth we do still have to be very good at the timing and the application of the pressure and the release of pressure because if we don't do that well, then we are going to fudge the cue. Um, so the way that um, I teach the horses this, that I find the most effective, is on, on the ground, just in hand. Um, so <clears throat> I think that sometimes the horses can find the, and probably the riders as well, like if you talk to my students as well, the legs are very confusing as well for students, but the complexity of the aids for the horses with the legs, the seat and the hands, and you know, if we're not very clear, or even if we are very clear, um, they can be reading into different weight distributions and seat movements and leg movements that we're not even aware that we're doing. So the easiest way I find to communicate this to our horse is on the ground, bridle on, and just your in hand. Follow the rein, follow the rein, halt. And um, what the horses start to do is they start to put their mouth into the contact and they start looking for that conversation. Where am I going? Where am I going? What am I doing? Where am I going? Where am I going? What am I doing? Where am I going? And then we can translate that into saddle. And then you have to be very careful when you're in the saddle that you actually put your hands forward and you ask them, hey, find my hands, have this conversation with me. Because if we're always just picking up that pressure and pulling them and steering them and telling them what to do, then we never give them the opportunity to go back out into our hands and seek our hands and, and seek that conversation. So we're, we're kind of like building this two-way conversation, this rapport where it's not just us telling our horses what to do, it's also us asking our horses to seek 
that conversation. So, <clears throat> um, so this is the lesson that my students have been learning this week, and, and bless them, they're trying their heart out. They're like seven and eight and ten-year-olds that probably are just like, what is my instructor teaching me to do? I normally just sit on a horse. Um, but it's been really fun to watch because, you know, they're used to just like not really having any contact in between, but the horses that, um, you know, my little team of school horses are used to looking for that contact for the guidance and the conversation and, and not sitting back off of it. They are also used to, you know, having beginners on their back and not really knowing what they're doing. And so they are quite happy to like go along without any contact at all. But, um, and you want your horse to be comfortable with contact, without contact, like long rein, no contact. If you need contact to control your horse, you're not in control of your horse. Um, because our contact, our bit pressure physically cannot control our horse. So... <clears throat> It's a very, very basic ask that I've been saying to them. Just put your hands forward and let your horse find your hands. Okay, and then you actively have to feel through your fingers what your horse is saying to you. And that's what the tricky part is because your brain has to like connect to your fingers and sensitize to your fingers and feel your horse putting the, the bit, the pressure of their mouth into the bit themselves and ask these questions. So, um, so you, you want to feel the reins and you want to feel your horse's mouth. So you've got enough contact and you've got your straight line, elbow, hands, reins to bit. So posture is also very important with this. If we are unbalanced, then we balance on our horse's mouth and then our horse balances on us. And so we can't have a clear conversation. So you've got to have your nice independent seat that we talked about previously and um, you've got to be balanced yourself and your horse somewhat balanced this doesn't work on a completely green horse and then um, you've got to feel through your little fingers feel their mouth so you've got that straight line elbow hands reins to bit and then you don't want to drop their mouth so you don't like throw the contact away you just ease your hands forward and you want your horse to put its mouth into your hands and seek the conversation themselves and then you can pick them up again and ask them to find your hands and then you can put your hands forward and you can seek ask them to seek initially there's not like a whole big difference because your horse may not have the adjustability of frame to really you know reach out to seek the contact it might just be a small amount and so it can just be the difference between, you know, a little bit of, little, I can't see my body, <laughs> a little bit of um, weight in your hands to just feel their mouths and then a little bit of give to just ask them to seek your hands again. But you're having that conversation of you saying, come to me, now I'm going to you and asking you to find me. And, and through that process, we can start to feel like our horse can start to communicate through us to us and so then we can start to feel what they're thinking so if you go to put a halt aid on and you're feeling your horse's mouth and they're just kind of like chugging along not much changes they've got the weight of the bit and they just keep on going you want to think okay well 
my horse to actually ask your horse to stop it first needs to think about the fact that you want it to stop we're not riding a motorbike or a car where you put the brake on and the horse brakes first they have to think about it so the contact that you're using has to talk to them are they thinking stop and then they have to coordinate their body are you balanced for stop so you want to feel them thinking about stopping and then you want to feel them coordinate their body to stop and then you can ride stop. If you ride the stop before they're thinking about it, then that's when it starts to get into an argument about, well, I've pulled the reins, why haven't you stopped? And we haven't given them you know, a couple of seconds to process the fact that we've changed our ask or changed what we're doing with them. So you've got to, you know, and it depends on the level of education of the horse as well, as they get more, um, educated just you adjusting your seat to think about stopping is enough to get them to think about stopping and coordinate their body as well but when we're riding the younger or the more green horses they'll be like doop to doop to doop to doop to do oh you're doing something up there what are you doing and so we've got to give them that little time lapse to process the fact that we're changing what we want of them and so you want to feel through your fingers, you want to feel them thinking about stopping. And it's the same with any aid that you ride with them. So uh, another one that my students get stuck on is the canter transition. And so they kind of just kick their legs and hope the horse canters and doesn't canter. So you just keep kicking until the horse canters. And that's kind of what you've got to do with your greener horses because they don't necessarily know the cue. But, um, you know, with the horses that have a cue, you need to use your leg first to say, hey, we're going to canter, think about cantering, balance your body to canter, and then you can put just that single inside leg on to get the strike off on the canter lead, and then you will nail your accuracy every single time because you're not just running it faster and it becomes canter. You're saying, think about it, I'm about to change what we're doing, coordinate it, get your body in the right place so you can do it and now canter on and they should tune in really beautifully to it but if you're not thinking what is or feeling what is my horse thinking then that's where the the aids kind of fudge through a little bit so this is going to be your challenge for if you're riding your horses at the moment this is your challenge have a go see if you can have my little work my little voice in the background playing um, before you ask your horse to do anything in response to an aid ask yourself what is my horse thinking and sometimes our horses will be thinking do 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 I'm not really thinking about anything and so then this is what the point of half halts and preparation is is that okay we're about to change what we're doing switch your brain on got to be with me got to be focused on me we're about to change what we're doing now coordinate your body now do it so this takes you know three to five strides on an educated horse it can take half an arena on a green horse <laughs> to be honest sometimes it takes a whole arena you're just kind of on there for a ride <laughs> so it depends on, on where your horse is at developmentally and this is you know what preparation in a dressage test is is understanding okay my horse isn't going to halt at x just because i pull the reins you've got to go okay you know six strides out i need to say we're going to change something and then three strides out i need to coordinate his body 
so that at x I write it, he does it. And this is the same for all levels of education, of course. You need to be thinking ahead of yourself. How many strides does your horse need to be ready to execute your ask? How long does it take your horse to actually think about what you're telling them to do? Some horses, it can take a little bit to just tune their brain back in and say, we're about to do something different. Some horses are more gangly and it's the coordination that takes a little bit longer and they're always kind of mentally with us like, what are we doing next? What are we doing next? <laughs> so <laughs> you've got to kind of play with your horse a little bit. It does help to ride with the letters because you can you say, okay, I'm going to hold an E and then you set yourself up. Is my horse thinking? Is my horse coordinated? And then do it. And then you can kind of say, oh, well, you know, E's like five strides back that way. So you give yourself an extra five strides leading up to E to prepare yourself. It's not like we don't need the horse to stop without any forethought or preparation or coordination. It's our responsibility to be, okay, how long does my horse need um, to me to think ahead of myself to be able to execute it where I want my horse to execute it? So um, that comes down to us and to us actually feeling what our horse is thinking and not just, you know, just kind of, okay, put the reins on and I want my horse to stop. Oh, it didn't stop. Well, I must need to tune my reins in more by getting stronger and then releasing the pressure when it stops. No, the, what you need your horse to do is actually to think about what you're doing. Um, and so this is why we need to do a little bit of the groundwork as well, well quite a lot of the groundwork to be honest, um, for our horses to actually find, know how to find the answers, know how to seek the release of pressure, but really to know how to have that conversation with us as well. And on the ground you will start to realise that you actually can feel what they're thinking. It's just that sometimes we don't really like what they're thinking either. <laughs> so um, I think that one of the reasons why we can, you know, go, oh, I don't know what my horse is thinking. I, I don't know, you know, how to, how to read my horse or whatnot. You probably are reading your horse. You probably do know what it's thinking and you probably just wished it wasn't thinking the things that it's thinking or you weren't reading the things that you were reading because it is really hard to get our horses to be enthusiastic, willing, and wanting to participate in being ridden. So if in the back of your head you're like, oh, I think my horse actually doesn't want me to do any of this, then you know, it's quite often that it's true. And there's ways that we have to kind of go about it in the setup and the preparation to get our horses to actually want to be ridden. So, um, you know, our connection work that we talk about, having that rapport and that relationship with our horse in the first place. And then how do we motivate and create willingness in our horses? So making learning fun and engaging and then getting them into a work ethic so that they find the enjoyment of those wins. You know, it's the way that we reward our horses that makes being ridden pleasurable for them. And when we do our other work with our yesing and our consenting and um, our choices, then, you know, we kind of draw that whole picture together 
and we can start to feel our horse want to be ridden, we ride them in a way that makes them feel good, we can start to have an actual conversation when we're riding them and we can feel what they're thinking when we ask. But if you're always trying to control them, um, if you're trying to ride them for submission, if you're, you know, seesawing, oh, good Lord, if I see any more people seesawing off their horse's mouth to try and keep them in a frame, I know we are all on a journey, but I just wish we would stop teaching it. <clears throat> um, having the horse suck behind the bit to find the release of pressure is not where the conversation is. And it's one way to teach a horse to stop looking for having a conversation because you've you're just making the bit an uncomfortable pressure for them and the comfortable release of pressure is behind the bit then we can't have a conversation yes I've been there yes I've done it um, because we get taught it and it's not until we stop teaching yeah see something breaks my heart as well um, it's not until we start teaching something different that we can change you know the way that the horses are being ridden and, you know, I think a lot of us that are in here actually can feel our horses having a conversation with us. And a lot of the time it is pleasant. Um, and so we don't need to be using bit pressure or halter pressure or whatever forcefully if we do all of the other work leading up to it. And then when we do all the other work leading up to it, we actually can feel um, what our horse is thinking. Uh, I hate the fact I was even taught it a hundred percent Alexandra I feel so sorry for my horse that I had in high school <laughs> I just had no idea but it was because of my instructors and they taught it because that was what they knew so it's just you know we have to really break that cycle um, so <laughs> take home is that we're not always coming back to find our horse's mouth um, that was probably one of the other lessons that I got taught that I regret is um, one of my instructors taught me short, long arm short reins and that helps to a certain degree to make sure that you're finding your horse's mouth but then you have to give your hands back and you have to say now you find my hands and then that's where we start getting them to seek that connection and through seeking that connection they start seeking a conversation and then that's how our horse can start communicating with us and then we can feel what they're thinking and we can feel if they're do -do 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 -do, not really concentrating on their job or if they're like okay what's next what are you going to ask me to do same my horse my poor horse and I had when I know it's I've actually to be honest Cindy now that you say that I think all of my horses when I were young were a problem at least when I was little I probably wasn't strong enough to make them do anything um so your homework give your horns up uh, give your horns <laughs> give your hands to your horses and ask them to find your hands and ask them to communicate back with you and let me know how you go I'd love to hear uh, otherwise, have a good week and we'll see you next week for another Training Thursday. Bye! If you're loving what you're listening to on the podcast, you might be starting to recognize that pain-based submission training for control is the worst way to train a safe horse that wants to look after you. 
If you're working with or around horses, you'll know how unpredictable and sometimes scary they can be. Unfortunately, most struggling horse riders make the mistake of thinking that the bit is for controlling the horse and asking them into a frame before they are ready. If you're not doing the work to help your horse manage stress and pressure to emotionally self-regulate, if you're not doing the work to understand how to clearly communicate with each other and cue words in, your riding will plateau and you'll find yourself going round in circles both literally and figuratively with only glimpses of that beautiful unicorn moment which is the union of our dancing souls in harmony. That's why we've created our new free training and workshop, Stop Drilling 20 Meter Circles. In this course we teach you how to move forward in your training by getting off the 20 meter circle, getting clear in your communication, feel and how to use your seat. If you're ready to get some big aha moments and riding breakthroughs, if you're wanting to establish connection in the saddle but stuck and feeling unsure on what to do next, asking yourself why does my horse do dot 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 or how can I recognize if my horse doesn't have enough muscle to work well and just spinning your wheels trying to figure out which exercise to choose to help move yourself and your horse forward to become more athletic or make their work more efficient Check out our free training www.equestriumovement.com forward slash stop drilling circles and I will uncover the secrets to develop connection in the saddle, feel and how to use your seat.